literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more. Real people, real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the show. We really appreciate you tuning in. I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barnes. And we're with the Austin American Statesman and Austin 360. And we're going to talk about two of Austin's oldest homes, which still stand today in their original location, which is very cool. And I, I imagine most Austinites have heard of both of them. The first one I'm going to talk about, I have a confession. I'm a little bit embarrassed. It's <laughs> okay. Tell and, it's all. And, and one of these homes, uh, by the way, you wrote about these, what, four, almost five years ago, having their 175th birthday, if you want to call it that, right? Built in 1841, one of these homes was the French legation. Here's my confession. This is embarrassing. I always thought when people referenced the French legation, it was that house up on the hill near Austin High and Mopac on the west side, Atlanta Drive right there. Yeah, that's not the French legation. That's the VFW Hall. I was such a bonehead. I was, you know, reading about this and I go, wait a minute, I've got the wrong building. Yes. I've been to some great parties in that VFW Hall, some of them during South By, some of them during ACL because it was so close to the the Zilker field, you know, there would be great pop-up parties there during ACL. I just got that out of the way. I had to, had to confess to you. It's okay. <laughs> now, this, we're going to kind of go back and forth quite a bit, I think, on these two homes because they were both built in 1841, have tons of similarities in style, architecture, and all of that, but they were not built by the same person, correct? That's correct. The French legation was built by the France's diplomat, Chargé d'Affaires, I don't think I got that right, to the New Republic of Texas. And the other one, Boggy Creek Farm, was uh, built by a family of farmers, uh, James and Elizabeth Smith and their children. But apparently they were both built almost exactly or finished almost exactly at the same time. There is documentary evidence of that. I said they looked like, but they almost literally had the same floor plan. Yes. Yes. The very simple floor plan with what would have been a dog trot through the middle of the house and then two handsome sized rooms on either side. And the uh, French location has also a an attic and a basement. And I recently was allowed to go up. Usually, if you go and you tour the French legation, which we should t- tell people is just east of I-35, just north of East 7th Street on a high hill. And, of course, it was out of town then. Um, back in 1841, it was outside the city limits. But it has fantastic views and great breezes and big, big two acres of, of land that are have ancient trees on it. Currently, you can go and and do a self-guided tour of it. It was closed for a couple of years for renovation and then during the pandemic. But you can go there now. And I, the, I think the entrance that is easiest to get to is on Embassy Street. Okay. And we'll talk more about Boggy Creek in a second. But 
why was there this French legation? Was this basically like, okay, there's the new, this new republic, we need an embassy, we need presence. And that's exactly right. It wasn't a full embassy. These things all have a hierarchy, but it was in essence the embassy from from France. And here's the deal. Texas was seeking protection. Mexico continued to come back and try to reconquer Texas. We forget about that. We think it was all over in 1836. It wasn't. So we looked for powerful allies. Uh, Great Britain, France, United States were the obvious choices. And all of them were aware that we had one thing that they really wanted, which was cotton. And so they were all jockeying to uh, recognize the Republic and to find some way to get a direct link to its its cotton. Because cotton was solid gold back then. And this is still the beginning of the, or going into the first decades of the Industrial Revolution. And if you had a machine that made cotton clothing, you you were just printing money. So people in, in Great Britain and France and the United States wanted that cotton bad. <laughs> and let's talk about Alphonse Dubois. Yeah. It's questionable. that It's easy to say the first resident of this French legation, but then there's even debate over whether he ever lived there. It sounds like he was just bopping in and out and would never fully resided there, correct? That's that's the conclusion of serious scholars on it. He had uh, many adventures while he was here. He he, he was uh, an irritable person and also though a good host. And he had a he lived just west of Congress Avenue. And he got in, involved in what has been called the Pig War with the owner of the Bullock Hotel that was at Sixth and Congress. You know, back then people just let their livestock just go anywhere. That that was still the case in my neighborhood here when I moved in. But they just let their chickens and their cattle and their pigs go anywhere. And so the pigs loved the Frenchman's garden. And so the Frenchman had them killed. And so Bullock, the owner of the hotel, got in a rage. And, and it's a tiny little diplomatic incident, but it's uh, made people giggle ever since. But he needed a place to entertain, and the French legation was meant to be a place of entertainment. And it was certainly a lot more sophisticated than all the log cabins that were the mainstay of the city down below the hill. And it, it's, you know, used sawn wood in a, in a Creole style that is kind of neo-Gothic, huge, beautiful front porch. So, yeah, it, it's not a mansion, but back then it would have been. <laughs> And that's some some clarity I should add here. There, these two homes, the Boggy Creek and the French Legation, just they were next level homes compared to uh, existing cabins all around. Absolutely, they were a big step up. Did any other notable people live in that French Legation home? Well, I mean, the the third owner was a clergyman, a Catholic clergyman, who eventually became the Bishop of Galveston, Father. Jean-Marie Audin. And then the people who owned it the longest were the Robertson family. And that's why that whole hill from 7th Street to 11th Street is called Robertson's Hill. And yeah, they raised a big family there and they lived there uh, until the uh, 1940s, at which time the Daughters of the Republic of Texas, which is a, a lineal group, convinced the state to buy and they used federal funds to do that. And once it was fixed up for decades, uh, the DRT ran it as a museum. 
But very recently, just as they gave up the Alamo, they gave up the French legation to the state to to take care of. It opened as a museum first in 1956, but that is its function now owned by the state? Yes, it's owned by the state. It's run by the Texas Historical Commission. The state owned the land all along, is, is, you know, but the DRT, Daughters of the Republic of Texas, they had this mission to save historical buildings and much as the colonial dames do. The colonial dames actually own that mansion, the Neil Cochran House in West Campus, which uh, goes back to the 1850s. But it's been a fabulous treasure for Austin. The grounds are gorgeous. I've been to many a party on the grounds there, film festival parties, uh, Bastille Day parties. And so people who've been there are very fond of it. It's a very quiet little oasis in the middle of the city. Well, and what's really fun to me about this story is, you know, you're talking about these two homes built in 1841, very, very similar. Couldn't be more different, it sounds like, for their purpose, because Boggy Creek Farm is exactly intended as it sounds. It, it was a farm. It was, it was a farm. And uh, from the beginning, and it's on the floodplains of, of Boggy Creek, which means that it's very flatland and it's... It, the, the soil is incredibly rich because, you know, uh, water, running water brings nutrients down from uh, and minerals down from upstream. And then when they spread out over flat land, that land over the you know millennia becomes very fertile. So the Smith family were scouting out farmland as early as 1832. And they got to Bastrop in 1838. In 1839, the year that the city was founded, they uh, they bought several big blocks of land in the new city. One in the city, which was smart because you wanted a place that you could go to when you were shopping and so forth. And then one out way out in the country back then, even though, you know, it's not even as far as Springdale Road. Their farm was a very fruitful farm and and, and has been fruitful. In the modern era, because Carolyn Sale and Larry Butler, Larry has since deceased, but they turned it into an organic farm, one of the, the most beloved little mini farms in, in Austin, and it's still functioning as an organic farm. Well, and it's probably do, doing better than ever in my lifetime because there's such a movement towards locally sourced food. Absolutely. Back when, when it was originally built... All that land on in, in east and north of us was laid out to be farms. Uh, as Caroline Sale said about that time, that era, there were 400 farmers around the city of Austin and five lawyers, and the numbers are different today. <laughs> it's flip-flopped. That's yeah. It. <laughs> but you needed to have farmers right next to the city because they needed to be fed. Remember, we didn't get a railroad until 1871. So for, for many decades, the people who had their farms north, west, east, south of the city limits were essentially feeding the city. And is the, the, the Boggy Creek Farm, the home, let's go back to the focus here, the home, the structure, is, is it a historical landmark as well? It better be. If it's not, I wouldn't be very upset. It sounds to me, and I haven't been out to visit. I know I know you go see everything you write about, but 
it sounds to me like it's more of a functioning farm than it is a historical landmark. I would be very surprised if it's not a landmark. I just can't tell you for sure uh, without looking it up. The things that Larry and, and Carol Ann did to it continue to make it more and more appropriately historic, for instance, reconfiguring the windows back to their original uh, arrangement. An owner in the 20th century had kind of screwed up some of the parts of it to fit the day's fashions so that it no longer had the authenticity of being, you know, virtually untouched for 175 years, which is what a lot of the purists in the preservationist community uh, uh, require. And one of the reasons I ask about its historical protection, and it makes it even more notable, I think, maybe compared to the French legation, is that the, the Smith's son, Alfred, oversaw a group of slaves that built this home. That's right. And, you know, when I uh, reported that, it occurred to me, were slaves used to build the French legation as well? And I have never looked into that, but I will. And because I just think that's even more of more reason to preserve it. And as you said, when 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 we launched this show just over a year ago, it's going to be the good, the bad, the ugly in, in Austin's history. And and it is documented that the uh, Boggy Creek Farm, it was it was slaves that built it. Yeah, no, I mean, slavery was woven into everyday life in the part of Texas that we're living in. Not not so much as if you go downstream uh, on the Colorado River, on the Brazos River and in East Texas. We did not have a plantation economy here. We, in fact, we had virtually no economy. <laughs> Dubois, the the French uh, diplomat, just almost abandoned the city because, at one point, when President Houston became president again, he moved the capital away from Austin, and everybody just left. You know, it was a ghost ghost town. At that time, it, at peak, it, the population was probably around six hundred. So uh, if half of them are gone, boy, that's a little place. It does add up more things of, as to why Dubois was coming and going. It was like he was, he was checking it in case this was the boomtown of the time. It took longer. Like he would love it today, right? <laughs> but I tell you, I don't know how much he would love because he was a very irritable man. He went on to, to spread his irritation to other <laughs> diplomatic posts. Oh, so, really? Yeah, he he's not a, like a hero in anybody's books. We're we're very lucky that his letters and diplomatic communications were preserved, and the French government, who has a claim to the building, by the way. <laughs> well, you know, when you build a, a true embassy, it it becomes the sovereign land of that country, and that's what protects the diplomats and their staff there is they're in charge of their own land around the embassy. And, and so there was some question as to whether or not France would want it back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not seriously, but similarly with La Belle, uh, the ship that uh, was part of La Salle's fleet that in it sank and they found it uh, not long ago. And now it's, its remains are the centerpiece of the Bullock Texas History Museum. Um, yeah, there had to be some negotiations because it still belonged to the French Navy in, in, in some ways of thinking about it. 
Well, they might just come back at any moment to take it. (laughs) Never know. Well, that's very interesting. And that chapter of the book is in volume two of Indelible Austin. That's right. Written by Michael Barnes himself. Oh, that's right. I did write that. And, but yeah, and if you're looking for a wider view of Texas history, uh, I, by the way, spoke this morning by Zoom with the Moses Austin chapter of the Sons of the Republic of Texas, uh, the SRTs. I uh, had a wonderful talk with them, but that is related to the reporting that I do statewide, and that goes into Think Texas a free weekly digital newsletter that you can get by going to the newsletters page at statesman.com. You can write to us at mbarnes at statesman.com or jhager at statesman.com. Thanks for tuning in to Austin Found. Happy trails. Happy trails.